Now, we talk a lot about authenticity in food, the, the discipline of, of strict recreation of age-old formulas, but maybe, maybe there's a, a greater joy in inauthentic cooking, <laughs> blends of, of technique, of, of flavour, memory, plucked from life or experience, from family or place. Chinese-ish uh, is a new book that, well, it, it brings a, a delightfully inauthentic blending of tradition and, and culinary heritage, flavours from Chinese culture, all within the framework of, of whatever it is to be a modern Australian. Rasheen Kool and Joanna Hu are its co-authors, and together uh, they have created a, a collection of recipes through which they tell the story of their Asian-Australian experience. It is, it is a, a delicious thing. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much. Rasheen, begin with you. This began as a bit of a lockdown project. It was actually a project that Joe and I did together way back in, oh God, so long ago now, 2020. We self-published um, a couple of Chinese cookbook zines called the Isolation Cookbook. Um, <laughs> Very <great> good. <laughs> Very good pun. Very good pun. Credit to Joe for that one as well. Um, and it was initially a collection of just 10 recipes, 10-ish recipes, maybe 12, can't remember. Fully illustrated. I shot the photos on my iPhone. And it was initially just basic Chinese recipes with a couple of little little kooky ones in there. I had an inauthentic prawn toast uh, recipe in there, which um, was met to quite wide acclaim. Um, and it sort of, it opened up this door for us to realize that there was a lot, there was a gap in the market for sure of, you know, our voice as in, you know, the voice of the Asian Australian, the way we interpret our own culture. But also there was definitely a, you know, a very clear desire for people to learn how to cook basic Chinese food without, you know, I mean, I guess without being able to speak the language, um, there's always going to be a barrier there for mm. this for Chinese cooking techniques. I mean, I struggle with it myself too. Um, and I am of the heritage. It's, it was, there was definitely a huge amount of interest and it really made a lot of sense but that it continued to this full scale book. So in this project, Joanna, what, what's the division of labor between you two? Started um, when we were doing it in lockdown, Rasheen was coming up with all the recipes and then I guess I was the uh, illustrator, art director, putting it together person. Um, and uh, we previously collaborated a little bit on an, a illustration charity project Rasheen had organized. So she was sort of happy to lead me to it. And it was really fun to kind of illustrate everything how I thought I would like it and send it to Rasheen, hear her feedback. And a lot of times, we sort of got it right on the first go, which really showed that we had this sort of similar creative vision for things. Like I'd come up with an idea and send it to her and it would just be an immediate yes, which was sort of an amazing collaborative experience. Rasheen, you, you grew up in, in Singapore. What's the influence there? And, and this is sort of an interesting thing around this notion of inauthenticity and, and the, the, the Chinese-ish idea the, the sort of the Chinese diaspora all through so many Asian communities and that mingling is such an interesting sort of starting point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that uh, my experience of Chinese culture has always been as a diaspora community, you know, whether it's being Singaporean Chinese or, you know, the Chinese um, communities in Australia that I've been exposed to or um, I spent quite a bit of time living in Indonesia as well as in Singapore. Um, in Malaysia as well and you know wherever you go you can see that like is it, there's usually especially in Southeast Asia you've got the Chinese population that has been there for quite some time 
and has, you know, their own, you know, their own way of eating that has developed in the, um, in, from the region. So Singapore Chinese food is a really primo example of, you know, this incredible combination of the Hakka and Teochew communities that have come from Southern China, but also, you know, have this huge influence from the um, Malay population, which are the traditional population of Singapore and Malaysia. And then you've also got this huge um, South Indian community as well in Singapore. So this, this intermingling of cultures has been something that I've always been exposed to and I've never been against, if, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, this, this concept of uh, purity of cuisine or purity of culture is something that I've never really quite been exposed to. So, you know, this, all of these things that create, you know, a larger um, community and larger um, cultural thread, I guess, are things that I've, I've always had really close to my heart. It's interesting, though, too. I mean, the, the counterpoint to that is the way in, in, in many diaspora communities that, that holding on to tradition is, is an important way of, of carving a separate identity within that sort of melting pot. Do you, do you, I mean, that, that's, that's <laughs> sort of the counter argument there, isn't it? Of course, of course. And there is, there is a lot to be said for, you know, holding on to your roots, which is something that, you know, my parents, you know, drilled into my sister in my heads when we moved to Australia. It was always, you know, don't forget you're Asian. Do not forget who you are. Because, you know, even though we are, you know, obviously I do identify as Australian because, you know, my formative years were spent here. I went to primary school here. I, you know, went to university here. I've always been a Melbourneian, basically. But I've never forgotten my roots as an Asian. And I think that's really more to do with holding on to your values, less holding on to your, I mean, in my case, particularly, less holding on to language because I'm from a mixed race household. Mm. But it's really definitely more to holding on to those values. And Joanna, what, what's your background story? My parents both emigrated from China to Melbourne in the early 90s. And um, I'm very similar in that I came here when I was four. So I've only really grown up in Australia, in Melbourne. This is really the only home I've known. I think same with Rasheen, that my parents from a very young age was, you know, really emphasised holding on to that culture. And for me, it was more language-based because I also had grandparents who came over as well and they don't speak English at all. So it was very important that I maintain Mandarin in the home because that's all I could converse with them with. Rasheen, I was going to say, and, and, and you take this approach in the book, it's like music. Before you become a great jazz player, you have to learn your basics. Um, before you can become someone who uh, can become inauthentic, you need a good grounding in, in some, some solid techniques. And that, I mean, that's an approach you take in the book. Yes. I mean, this is something that I've learned definitely from working as a chef. I, I was lucky because I worked in a Chinese kitchen when I, for my very, for my apprenticeship. Um, it was Li Ho Fook in Melbourne, um, which is one of those beautiful places where it was, it was grounded very, very heavily in tradition. Hmm. But you could see that, you know, the dishes had taken, you know, a few different forms because of, you know, a more, a more um, French and more Western um, interpretation, but that was just because of the chef's uh, French training. But, you know, he is Chinese, he's Malaysian Chinese, which is even more interesting because, you know, similar to my palate, that was sort of, that's the, that's the Chinese cuisine that I, I know very well, which is Southeast Asian Chinese. Um, and so I learned at that, in that restaurant, I learned really, really um, strict and traditional Cantonese technique. And that means, you know, toasting sesame seeds really slowly over a wok for an hour to get the wok technique right. 
um, you know, not being able to cook anything else until I've nailed, you know, breaking down a fish and steaming that fish perfectly to a perfect set protein structure. And I, you know, even wasn't even allowed to cook anything beyond egg fried rice until I'd nailed it. And being able to understand the very, very foundations of this cuisine. And of course, you know, there are, there's not just Cantonese cuisine in, in Chinese cooking. There's, you know, there's eight major ones, but there's so many, so many more, but having that and always having respect for tradition and then being able to, you know, take a few steps away, interpreting it, but always with um, some sort of connection to the, to the beginning. But the only reasons I step away from tradition per se are to use, you know, the produce that we have available in Australia, for example, mm. or, you know, cater to, you know, the palate that we have, you know, we, we love Italian food, you know, we love beautiful, you know, we love citrus, we love great produce here and incorporating those into um, the way that I cook and the way that I interpret Chinese cuisine, because it's got, you have to have the sense of place, as well, but it's that it's that bedrock of technique that, that brings yes. the, the the worlds together, and I wonder. This is, I think, this is a really interesting thing with a a predominantly well, shiftingly, but a, with a, a strong sort of Anglo cooking culture in this country. The things that are misunderstood, the things that are um, you know not well done in in attempting yeah. to approach so many Asian cuisines. It's, it almost kind of seems like a bit of arrogance, you know, being able to just take things that sound nice or the interesting parts of cultures without actually, you know, really taking the time to understand how and why, you know, certain things exist. Um, Fermentation is a really, a really good example of this. You know, I've seen now so many kitchens, so many restaurants, so many chefs are making their own soy sauce, making their own, you know, kimchi, but haven't really bothered to go back and understand why it is you know these these things exist you know whether it's because as a result of you know being frugal as a result of you know the the climate or you know just you know without the context mm. you can really see that things are a bit lost in translation on on that journey if you know if i'm i'm, I'm sitting there with your book and i'm i'm keen to learn and i'm wanting i'm wanting to adapt my aussie pantry and kitchen um to, to the challenge of of the the, the chinese-ish repertoire i mean what, what are the starting points what are the the real essentials that i'll need both in terms of equipment and things in the pantry well the really the really cool thing about um about chinese cooking is that you don't need a lot you know, especially depending on which area you're cooking from, easy. The most easily accessible is definitely Southern Chinese. Um, so I'm talking, you know, your steamed dishes, your ginger and shallot stir fries. You know, um, just your really beautiful, simple stir fried green vegetables, which are seasoned with salt and vegetable oil, not with soy sauce. But all you actually really need is to understand the technique of cooking. So you need to know how to steam and you need to kind of, you know, have some sort of like motley set up to be able to do that. But you also need, you know, an appropriate frying pan or, you know, in a wonderful world, you have a wok or just a cast iron pan, something that can take quite a lot of heat um, and enough size so like, that is large enough to be able to get, you know, lots of surface area for a bit of char and a bit of, um, and to not overcrowd your pan. So it's, it's, you have a lot of, you have a lot of leeway cooking Chinese food and it's less about the ingredients and really more about technique than anything else. And eventually you, you may reach the heights of the, the Sichuan sausage sanger. <laughs> I mean, that really doesn't involve, you know, any Chinese te- technique at all, but it does use <laughs> <those> ingredients. <laughs> this, this is part of a chapter, Joanna, called The Rebellion, How to Disappoint Your Parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
something that we've all shared as yeah. uh, immigrant children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you, have you, Joanna, have you heard from your parents about the book? Are they, they pleased oh. or displeased? Yeah, no, they, the, uh, we like to make, a, I like to make a lot of jokes about that, but um, they've already, I've already veered so far off the traditional Asian path. <laughs> <They've given up laughs> they've come at peace, they've at peace and, you know, they're very proud. Um, it, was, it was funny, my mom sent me this big message in Chinese and she wrote in it, oh, we're very proud of you. And um, I remember seeing a joke around saying Asian kids don't even know what that word is in Chinese. They've never heard it before. And I had to look it up and be like, oh, that's how you say I'm proud of you in Chinese because it was, you know, such a mystery. But no, they're, they're very proud. And I think they saw, you know, obviously the way I struggled with the original path I was on and how much I was unhappy in law school and how much I just didn't feel like I belonged there. And I think ultimately they're, you know, they're parents who just want to see me happy. So they've been really proud of um, what we've achieved and yeah. And they're still, they're, they do every now and then say, it's not too late. You know, if you, if you want to be a doctor now, it's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you, congratulations. And, and thank you so much for sharing. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful book and, and we'll take people on a, a wonderful and, and educative adventure. It's the tools you need for so much, so much happiness in the kitchen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you so Thanks much for having us. us. Rasheen Kool, Joanna, who are co-authors of Chinese-ish. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.